Welcome, everybody, to the Boys and Worlds podcast. Today, we have Keith Murphy here. He is a fantastic host of many shows, podcasts as well, and he has his own, what, TV network-ish? You got, you're going around, you're going to all these places. I know I've tried, we've been playing phone tag and Instagram tag, trying to get you on here for a while, so appreciate you coming on, Keith. I am glad to be here. I'm sorry it's taken a little bit of the tag back and forth, but it's a it's a busy time of the year, and just happy to sit down, especially after a, that's a good open you have there. I'm ready to go. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's way better than the first one. It had a QR oh, yes. code and we, we don't had know where no it idea you. where it was sending oh. people. We had no idea. <laughs> a few people. There. Oh, I don't know what happened to them. <laughs> we yeah. had no idea. Yeah. So a, a small bio from you here. You've been, and let me make sure I've got the, the actual date on this for, for, Working for 13 News and a sports director, sports news from the 6 p.m. and 10 p.m. hour at the ABC, if I'm reading this correctly. Uh, it's NBC. 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 Yeah. Right. My it's eyes are crossed. Yeah, it's, a, it's a network. Yeah, I do the, I anchor the 6 and 10 p.m. sports. And on Sunday nights, we do a sports and pop culture kind of show. It's called Sound Off. Yeah. And in the afternoons, I have a radio show with Andy Fails called Murph and Andy, and that's yep. on iHeart Station here locally. And and these days, a lot of people watch it or listen to it via podcast. Yeah. 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 So now your list of awards is really out of this world here, Keith. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your just the achievement that catches your eye every time you walk into your room? <laughs> um, pro probably my uh, trying to be a good family guy is what yeah. I'm most proud of. I, I have, I mean, I, I've been fortunate to, to win a, a few awards and I think mostly they've come later in life. Cause I, yeah. you know, I think you get older and that Wiser. tends to happen. I probably didn't win some awards for stuff. I feel like maybe I, did a better job than some of the things I have won an award for. So I, I really sincerely try not to attach any self-worth to that kind of thing. Cause I think it's pretty arbitrary and I don't think anybody ever listens or watches because of an award. I think mostly it's uh, to feel appreciated or maybe pat yourself on the back. And I'm, I'm grateful. I'm not, I'm not yeah, dismissing no. anytime somebody yeah. says, You've won this. I appreciate it. And of course, there's a part of my ego that feels like, wow, that this is awesome. I've made it. I've done okay. Right. But at the end of the day, I can't think of a single person who's ever walked up to me and said, you know, I, I watch you because of that award you won. You know, just right. it, it, like some of my all-time favorite movies haven't been near an Academy Award nomination. Award. Yeah. No. It's so just, I love them. And yeah, you know, I guess you know, Tombstone or Smoking <laughs> Bandit or Die Hard or right. Planes, Trains, and Automobiles yeah. or Christmas I'm Vacation. Glad, I, I'm really Dumb glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, there ain't a person I watch because that person's won an award. Yeah, that, that uh, is, and have uh, you seen like have you seen some of the movies that have won Best Picture? There's a couple, <laughs> of movies, like, what in the world am I missing? Because this is just. One over and my head, head and that's Warner crap. Brothers' biggest hit to right. date. Yeah, is Barbie. So, <laughs> yeah, we'll pass but, on but that thank one. you. I mean, thank you for saying that. And 
and, yeah. and again, I'm not trying to be falsely no. humble or anything. I do appreciate it. And it, it is nice to be recognized, as I'm sure you both know. It's always nice yeah. to feel appreciated, especially when it's from your peers. Absolutely. But just overall, it's 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 going to be a slow decline if you attach your self-worth to whether you win awards or not. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's that's sorry, why we don't apply for any of them as a podcast. <laughs> Charles and I, we don't we don't want to spend the money to go uh, to get one. If you guys want to send us one, though, we'll, we'll take yeah, that, one. hey, that's another way to go too. You can't you can't win if you don't apply. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. So now you had you had mentioned your your family and being being the family man, and, and I've noticed via the internet you have kept them out of the limelight. H- how difficult was was that as your years have gone on? Because I, 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 you, through from what I'm seeing, you absolutely love your family, and the more you would love to talk about them, we would love to hear it. But whatever you're comfortable with, Keith. I, you know, I think it's kind of the the change in social media and society. I would say, like, we're empty nesters now. Our yeah. our last son is at Arizona State, where he's having way too much fun. But, <laughs> party, uh, party school. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that looks like a good time. So it's, the it's, grass is starting to be cut by by <laughs> you now, is, is that? Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, I'm thinking of going Rodney Dangerfield, going back to school. But, yeah. yeah, over over time, and I I have thought about that, but like my, you know, I share things about my wife Jenny mm-hmm. and our our kids. The the younger kids tend to be in social media a lot more than our older kids were because they're just there wasn't. Twitter X, whatever they call it now, there wasn't yeah, Facebook yeah. when they were kids and it has changed. And I try to stay on the right side of that, to, you know, sharing some of your life, which some of the people who, who follow me like to see, yeah, you know, some of the life's experiences, but trying to stop short of that. Here's what I'm having for dinner tonight. Or, <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. I'm reading to my wife in bed here, carrying this live so that you can see yeah. it. You, know, you you try to find the line of where too much and not cross over into self-indulgence or invasion of privacy. And I'm not exactly sure where the line is. It's just usually kind of like the the judge's definition of pornography. It's hard to define, yeah. but I know it when I see it. <laughs> well, I mean, I can tell you via the, the Internet searches that I do, you have done very, very well. Oh, good. And in speaking with that, too, it, it brings up it brings up a question for me. So you've been in this sports casting for the pre-social media and now you entered into the social media also how was that transitioning like in the sports broadcasting world where it's no longer just hey you'll see me on these days now to keep in touch and to keep progressing forward you've got to be there constantly how how did that go for you I think it's gone well, but I think you have to, like anything, you have to adapt, you have to evolve, or you perish, or you need to get out of it. You know, there's some people, veteran people, that they really resisted all these changes and wanted things to be the way they were. But you can want things to be the way they were, but doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be that way. You can ask many of the newspapers that are now shuttered and missed in many communities. You, You have to adapt. So... The thing that's changed dramatically in in my decades has been when somebody sits down now, they know the score they need to know. They've probably seen the highlights on their phone. 
So you have to offer something different. You have to offer, you know, analysis or perspective or an opinion, and you have to try to build up enough trust so that they seek out your opinion or your analysis. If all you are offering is the scores and highlights, they'll stop coming to you because they can get that other places. And if you're just offering up, like we used to do, when I first started, we would do national sports too, but there's just no need. Nobody's watching their local sports person for national sports, unless it's the rare thing that crosses over into widespread interest, like Tiger Woods is running away with the masters or something happens that becomes local because everybody's doing it. Taylor Swift is at a Chiefs game, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. so, his jerseys went up 400%. Not surprised. You, you combine no. the two biggest entertainment industries in America, the NFL yeah. and Taylor Swift. Well, I don't know, <laughs> Keith, I don't know if you want to get into this right away because if you're saving, maybe you're saving this one for your show, but Charles and I had just spoke about this. You don't have to comment on it. If you you could just say no comment, but Charles and I did watch the Cade McNamara um interview and as being michigan fans we've been following Cade's, you know career since mm-hmm. he's been at iowa same as eric all probably because we're, we're fans of him as well but the the comments today seemed very bitter towards the coaching staff and i don't know if that's a blame game or if that's something that you'd want to you could speak on is it is it just maybe the fact that there's pressure is there pressure at iowa for Cade to succeed i mean i think he definitely feels that in in all the best ways i don't think He's under any kind of advanced scrutiny from fans or anything, but I think he came here genuinely believing that with his help and some of these other pieces like Eric Hall, that the offense was finally going to move into the 21st century and they were going to be able to score and move the football and look good doing it. And I think Cade believed that with all his heart. And I think many of us believed not that it was going to become the Miami Dolphins at this point or some <laughs> high scoring offense, USC, but I think we thought it would at least look better than it has. And right. Saturday at Penn State was such a colossal disaster. That's one of the worst team offensive performances in history. It and I think and that's a it's a good Penn State team, yeah. mm-hmm. but even, you know, Cade, who is who is trying to play through a quad injury and can't move, that's certainly hampering him. But they they just look terrible. They're not getting yeah. the ball to receivers. They, they didn't score at all. And I think he does feel both pressure for externally and internally. You can yeah. tell how badly he wants to deliver what he thought he would deliver. And it, it just wasn't there at all. Now, with that schedule they could win nine or 10, you know, maybe even they technically could win 11 games. And they potentially are on the table. Yeah. yeah, They they will forget. They don't play a ranked team the rest of the way. They could finish 10 and two, nine and three. And this loss will start to feel better to people over time. We always overreact to wins and losses, but that was terrible. And you mix in the, you know, the Brian Ferentz factor and the, you know, the nepotism and. Well, I would think that the change and it just it's kind of a recipe for a lot of criticism. I would think the criticism is is more probably aimed towards the fact that this is a continuous thing that's been going out of Iowa. You know, as far as Ferentz, it's just Ferentz offense. And a lot of people just kind of, you know, they point the finger at that. You know, it doesn't matter who's quarterback because you had Beathard, you had. 
you know, all these guys, I mean, they've had great tight ends over the years that are obviously in the NFL. There's tons of them. There's at least four off the top of my head that I could name right now that are all right. pros, you know? Yeah. I, I, your, your point is a good one about it being Kirk Ferentz. I mean, Brian Ferentz is low hanging fruit for criticism. And I think we all understand why. Right. But when you go back and look at the 25 years of Kirk Ferentz at Iowa, They've had some really good teams. They've won a couple of Big Ten championships. But the one constant through most of that is the offensive coordinator is usually the most criticized coach, whether it was Ken O'Keefe or later Greg Davis and now Brian Ferentz. And I think the reality is, is they're, they are doing what Kirk Ferentz wants done. Yeah, it's, and they have he moved. is running an antiquated offense. Yep. And they stay in most games with great defense and great special teams trying to flip the field and win the game possession, win, win the field. But the, the thing that's changing now, they're now getting blown out against the good teams, like the elite yeah. teams, like Penn right. State, Ohio State, Michigan. They used to be able to compete in those games, try to keep it close, and maybe they block a punt late and they steal a win. Yeah. They're not doing that now. I mean, even going back to the Big Ten championship game, which as a Michigan fan, you'll remember, was like 42-3 to three and felt like 82-3. to three. Yeah, yeah. And then last year, there were Hawkeye fans who were relieved that Iowa lost that game they shouldn't have against Nebraska because they weren't really keen about going back and playing Michigan again. Yeah. 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 No, I mean, it does. It's got to get tough. I mean, to your point, yes, as a Michigan fan, we would hear this is something we've discussed even on this show. And I, I think I've mentioned, I think we're thinking too much about past Iowa, not future Iowa. There isn't a lot in future Iowa that scares me. But here's the thing. And I think you and I brought this up, Charles. Yeah. When was the last time you watched? And he's watched a lot of Iowa. So you, mm-hmm. when was the last time you saw a guy in motion at Iowa? And you thought that guy was streaking down the field and they were going to go play action and he was going to throw it deep. Right. It's been a long time. I, but, but the thought process is never Iowa's offense. It was from a, from another state looking at it from out of bounds. It was always Iowa's defense. And sure. like, and like Keith had said, you, you really hated their special teams because if we lost, it was the block punt or a block kick or a fake field goal that, that took the cake in those close games. I just, I'm not feeling the closeness. And I don't know if the, stank from nebraska is making its way via jet stream but the lord help us well and i think that's why some fans are paralyzed because they they do appreciate and like and respect kirk ferentz for everything he's done and it is harder to win at iowa than it is at michigan or ohio state or many places like the the in-state rival here iowa state has never won 10 games in a season that's going back more than 100 years it never had a 10-win season Kirk Ferentz has had like five or six of those yeah. just in the 25 years. And a so, lot of magical it, moments too. I yeah. Mean, oh yeah. yeah. And I, I, I think fans appreciate what Kirk has done, but now they're in that uncomfortable space of, okay, don't think we can actually compete for championships, but we need to be careful yeah. what we wish for. Cause we don't want to be Nebraska because remember right. when nine wins wasn't good enough for Nebraska. Yeah. How's that been treating Nebraska that been just, 15 well, years or so? I think it was, Bill Parcells, who said he was describing the NFL, but it's the same thing when you go down the, you know, you're in a, you're in a caged tiger and that tiger's hungry in those situations. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, the sports becomes a lot of what have you done for me lately or what, have, what are you doing for me now? Not what have you done for me lately? And it, it, I think coaches just sometimes get 
the pull too much. But then we fall into scenarios where when does the appreciation stop and the aggression to move forward begin? Well, those are good questions. And it's it it's difficult because a little bit like we were talking about in the broadcasting industry, you you adapt or perish. Right. And I, I think Kirk Ferentz's like the way he coaches football, it, it it does end up really giving you a chance to win close games in the margins with the defense and special teams. Right. But in the evolution of the game, there's so much emphasis now on offensive fireworks. Yeah. And Iowa just looks out of step. They It looks like you went back into time in the late 1990s and you're watching an offense from back then. Yeah. And now, like you see what Mike McDaniel's doing with the Miami Dolphins, they put up 700 yards and 70 points. And the entire design, much like it was for Mike Leach and many other coaches, is yeah. these, these route trees where you're trying to get people, trying to use the whole field and get people yeah. into open space and create mismatches and then get those fast guys the balls. Use the, the speed. Yeah. Use the speed. Right. Exactly. Iowa's not doing that. I mean, it's good if you're a tight end because they are, they're kind of tight end you. Like you mentioned, yeah, right. tight ends all over the National Football League. And they just, I lost think we're watching one right now in Luke, Luke Musgrave. I mean, that, that yeah, dude's going to be a yeah. generational talent in the NFL. They, I mean, yeah, absolutely. So, well, it's, it's just they, they, I think they need to update the offense to give themselves a chance to compete like they, that so far this season, the wide receivers have been targeted on fewer than 40% of the passes from right. Kate McNamara. That is by yeah. far the lowest percentage in, in the country. And most of those haven't been completed either. They brought that uh, receiver over from Ohio State, uh, Caleb Brown. He has yet to catch a pass four games into the season. Yeah. And people were really excited when he when he decided to transfer to Iowa. So it it. It's an uncomfortable conversation right now for Hawkeye fans because they appreciate right. Kirk Ferentz. They're not trying to push him out the door. They feel like he should be able to call his own shot of, of when right. he leaves, much like Hayden Fry before him. It's really remarkable. Yeah. Iowa's had two head coaches in nearly 50 years. Yeah. And no one else is close to that. No. No. No, that's like the Green Bay Packers and their quarterbacks. It's 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 really you don't you, you could pick them small, small amounts out of a basket. But I mean, and to bring the point back to, to Iowa's upcoming schedule, looking at it, the, the only two real games I see that could give them trouble is maybe Wisconsin and maybe Rutgers. But otherwise you're, you're right. I mean, it, they could be walking through and they, they could, there's a lot of time to write the ship for Iowa. Uh, there is. And the loss will start to feel better over yeah. time. And then we'll probably be back with the kind of discussions we had last year after the season when it's like, okay, what's going to change about the offense? Mm -hmm. Well, we're bringing in Cade McNamara. Fantastic. They got fans all excited. We're bringing in these receivers. Got a tight end coming in from Michigan. People got all fired up. But even with these new pieces, these proven pieces, they the offense kind of looks the same. But then, yeah, if they do end up 9-3 and three or 10-2, and two, it's back to like, well, what what do you expect? The point is to try to win the games – is that yeah. not enough? Because Wisconsin's in a coaching transition year. Even though that game's on the road, that's a winnable game probably yeah. for Iowa. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we'll we'll see where all that uh, all that ends up being when it's well, all said and, and done. And to add on to your point, absolutely. When you get into the playoffs, when you get into to championship mindset, you start looking at the teams that have multiple ways to win. 
Mm-hmm. And the teams that can beat you playing your game or their game or any game you bring to the table are generally the ones that go on to win those championships. When you're looking at a team that goes, okay, if we do it this way and it stays right here, we've got a chance. I'm, I, I got to tell you, you don't got a very good chance. Yeah, I think the, the philosophy at, at Iowa and Iowa State to some degree has to be got to do a little more with less because you're not going to yeah. have Michigan's four and five star recruits. You're not going to have Ohio State's four and five star recruits. But Iowa has done over time a great job of coaching up the Jack Campbells who plays for the yeah. Lions now, it, you know. Just the, yeah. you get a lot of two and three star guys that become NFL players they, that they develop really good. The problem yeah. develop really well. The problem is you don't see a lot of those guys coming out of the receiver position or right. uh, lately in the running back position. A few quarterbacks here and there, CJ Bethard, but like Charlie Jones, who if you follow the Big Ten, you know, you know he caught 25 or so passes for Iowa, transferred to Purdue for his bonus COVID year caught 110 passes in one season, led the nation in receiving, and now is playing in the NFL. That's something probably needs to change there for, for Iowa's offense to attract those skilled position players. Because I, I think right now, and maybe it's what you were asking about Cade McNamara, like is is he, he apparently gave a great speech after that humbling loss to Penn State and fired up his team and kept everybody together. So he seems like a genuinely good guy and a good leader. Very much right. so. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, that's what we witnessed at Michigan. Yeah, we got to see it firsthand. Yeah, for sure. Oh, the entire yeah. locker room. I mean, the entire Michigan locker room when he left, I've never seen somebody get goodbyes in a transfer portal. Maybe I haven't been looking. Yeah. But yeah. the amount of players that came out on X that wished Cade Nothing but wonderful things. And you know and what? Yeah, you've got negative fans. You you have negative fans everywhere. You see it. I mean, you're you're on the Facebook. You see it all the time with the comments. So, well, oh, and we sure. expected we, we... big things from Cade in Iowa. Watching yeah. what he did in Michigan too. So, like, it's it's very shocking to us, and that's why those comments came off befuddling. I guess would be the best word. Especially in the context of he gave a a pretty well known quote, at least locally. You know, it was mm. six months ago or so when he was like, yeah, just just keep thinking we we have a terrible offense. I want everybody to keep thinking right. that we're yep. Yep. Uh, uh, crappy. I think he used the you know, different word. I don't know what the profanity standard is here. So I'm an army. You know, he was spirited about it. You could tell yeah. that he, too, thought things were going to be different. Yeah. And four or five games from now, it may feel completely different Absolutely. because Penn State. I, I do try to point out to some of the people, especially the critics, because you're right on Facebook and Twitter, we tend, I tend to pay too much attention to the extremes, whether it's yeah. politics or sports, you have the really loud <laughs> people on both yeah. extremes. Yep. And most people are, you know, somewhere reasonably in the middle and have a more nuanced take, but it's hard to ignore these loud people that are making all this noise. And I do try to remind them, don't, don't forget here too, Penn State looks like, the Nittany Lions might be really good. Like, like him and I get into many arguments about Penn state. He thinks they're beat Michigan good. And I'm that crazy Michigan fan who goes, I'm a Michigan fan, but I'm also a realist. I, I, what I see and I break down games a lot and I am not always right. I'm an armchair quarterback analyst, but I, but what I've seen from uh, Penn state so far, it looks like the best team in the big 10. They look very, very good. 
They, I mean, they looked good. And that, that atmosphere, I, I haven't been to a whiteout, but that was really impressive. 110,000 yeah. people making yeah. all that noise. That's a tough atmosphere to play in. And I, I don't think anything was going to change that game in Iowa's no. favor. But the one thing you can't have happen is to, to open with a good drive and then Eric all fumbles, fumbles yeah. the ball away. And it just seemed like, Iowa never recovered from that moment on, and some of that is just Penn State is that good. Well, Keith, we wanted to bring one thing up before we left. Your RVTV, there is a <laughs> there's quite a bit of interesting content on here. But we wanted to bring up this Trans Am video. <laughs> yeah, pulled over by the, by the police, and they open up the Trans Am trunk, and it's got it's full of beer. Can you give us any insight on what was going on with this? Yes, I. I I love Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, like I, I grew up with. I'm older than you guys, but I grew up with that movie. My my grandmother took me when I whenever it came out. I was like I don't know, ten years old, something like that. Yeah. And it was a sold out crowd. I loved it so much, and it's one of my favorite memories of my childhood. Is I came out and I asked her like, "Can we go again?" And yeah. she said yeah. yes. So we got back in line and we went and saw Smokey and the Bandit again. And, you know, in college and beyond, I'd introduce friends to it. And I know it's it's a silly movie, but no. we would sit around, we'd drink beer, we'd watch Smokey and the Bandit. So yeah. I've talked about it on the radio show enough that when we went on our RV TV stop, which is just a, it's a tour to the city wherever the game is being played. And we stop right. in a different small town and, and have our newscast live from those places. And there were people there that knew about my love of Smokey and the Bandit, you know, and my constant, let me have a Diablo sandwich and the Dr. Pepper and make it fast. <laughs> you know, I just I constantly quote the the movie. And they, somebody in the town had a band one Trans Am. And they said, if you can think of anything to do with this, we'll, we'll bring it over. So time was so short. They had these elaborate ideas of drones and a chase and a semi truck. And I was like, <laughs> Time for all that. So I was trying to quickly come up with an idea. And there's been so much talk around here about the NIL beers. The Hawkeyes drink the Swarm yeah. beer and the Cyclones drink the Ames lager. Yeah. And I asked the police chief, and this is something that can only happen in, in small towns. I was yeah. like, hey, would you mind, are you willing to wear a mic and pull us over and see that we have a trunk <laughs> full of beer and then tell us we can leave? And the, the, the police chief in Manson's like, oh, sure, that sounds fun. <laughs> We're going to do that. This We get in the car and we're all jammed in there. And it's kind of funny because I didn't realize how small the backseat of a Trans Am is. We got three of the sports guys all jammed in back there. And that's just, that's, that's what it was. Just my love of Smokey and the Bandit. And, you know, the, we didn't have a sheriff, but we had a police chief pull us nice. over yeah. and yeah. looks in the trunk and says, Enjoy the game, boys. So, <laughs> yeah. so there, the people of a certain age group probably enjoyed it more than the people going, "What in the world, the world is, this? is this?" Yeah. Oh man, thank you, for, thank you for sharing that too. I loved, I loved hearing about your grandma taking you to the movies. That was, that was, that was very humbling. Keith, we're we're running up on the clock here. I, I just, I want to thank you so much for all of your time. And I, I want to give you the, the floor for anything at all you would love to plug for yourself or, you know, I, you're a very humbling person. And we and I mean that in the absolute most sincere. So take her away. 
Oh, I, I don't have anything to plug. I just I appreciate being invited and it was fun talking to you guys and I enjoyed it. You know, Patrick has gotten in touch with me several times and we just haven't been able to find a time in the schedule. So I was glad I got a half day off today and yeah, uh, about, to go to, about to go to dinner with the, the family here. And yeah. it was just nice to talk some football because we're going to we're going to get to the uh, dinner table and there's not going to be any discussion of receivers into space or anything like that. So this was a pleasure. So Keith, you do the RV TV, you for Iowa Cyclones, correct? You follow the games from week to week. You guys are following with the RV. Is that how that works? It's just once a year for the Iowa, Iowa state game. Iowa, Iowa state. Um, And it, it, it has its roots all the way back. First year I did, it was 1995 and the game was at Jack Tri Stadium in Ames, which doesn't look anything, didn't look anything then like it does now. It looked like right, a Division yeah. II stadium with just two two sides to it. And at that point, we're in the middle of, Iowa was in the middle of a 15-year winning streak against Iowa State. So there wasn't really a lot of buzz about the game. It was the toward the end of the Hayden Fry era, and Iowa was just so dominant. And just tongue-in-cheek, I had this kind of this idea of, you know, this game's so big. I'm camping at the stadium. That was kind of the the joke that it's so big. I, I'm for a week. I'm going to camp at the stadium, and we had an engineer at the TV station. Had like a cousin Eddie type, you know, sheriff's <laughs> yeah, RV, yeah. and Great. he he let me stay in the RV, and I slept there every night, and I stayed there every night. And then the next year, we went over to Iowa City and put it at Kinnick Stadium, and I did that for a few years, and eventually got the whole sports department involved. And then I stopped it because I felt like we were, we had jumped the shark a little bit, like we were yeah. doing the same bits. You know, I'd do the bit of, I, yeah, I can't find the band. And I'd open up the bedroom door in the RV and the, you know, marching band would be in there. And <laughs> me out the fight song, starting to repeat some of the, you know, the sight gags. Yeah. So I stopped doing it. And the, the management asked me, is there any way you can bring RV TV back for Iowa, Iowa State Week? And then that's when I decided, Let's stop in a different town. Let's make a, a route to the game and we'll go to five different cities, one each day, and then do all the newscasts from there and then end up in Iowa City or Ames. So we just do it for that week and it's proven to be really That's popular. Fair, and yeah. It's, it's yeah. good for me because I tend to think of the rivalry as just really bitter and nasty. But mm-hmm. when I'm on RV TV, it reminds me that. I'm paying too much attention again to that noise, yeah. you know, yeah. the, the trolls and the people that are their whole mm-hmm. life is whether their team is winning or losing. And they sometimes <laughs> lose perspective a little bit. And That's we go awesome. out to these, these towns where there's families divided and yeah. you know, marriages divided and Hawkeye and Cyclone fans on both sides. And for the most part, it's friendly banter and it's yeah. a friendly rivalry and it's just, you know, it's the best of small towns and yeah. uh, best of Iowa. And it just, it reinforces to me that most of it is good and that sometimes I, I lose sight from the people that just take it too far. So right. that's probably all you need to know about RVTV. But yeah, it said just that week, just the, just rivalry week. One more thing. You've been to Kinnick stadium. So what is the, what is the vibe when that wave happens? I've heard so many good stories. Yeah. People, people I'm stories. so glad you brought that up. I wanted to ask too. Yeah. The wave. Uh, do it if you get a, you if you get a chance. I it makes it makes me cry every time. Yes. Okay, you, I'm going. You, That's all I need. Yeah. Windows are you can see in the windows clearly, and you will see those little kids 
and right. the signs they make. And you know, yeah. it's one of those things that hits you of immediately you can't help but think like I, I'm, you know, I'm especially if you're with your kids, I'm, I'm here right. with my kids. And yeah. sometimes I take that for granted. And, you know, those, those kids over there are fighting for their lives. Right. And they're, it means so much of them just to wave it. And it's, you know, it came about organically. It was a suggestion from one person. It was just a fan that suggested it. And it's not yeah. sponsored. There's nothing to be cynical about it. I, I hope no. they can continue to have it be just a wonderful show of love that it is. Even right. talking about it now, I'm getting goosebumps. But oh, yeah, every yeah. time I get the pleasure of of watching it, I do in my own living room. It, oh, it sucks so me up. Yeah. It's incredible. It's so yeah, do, do it in person sometime if you can. It'll get you. Oh, we will. We will. Right, we'll pick up a game there, Charles, for sure. I don't yeah. even care who it is. We'll just go just for well, a night game. For actually, wave. a night game at Kinnick is probably one of the – I always said that that's one of the best. It's good tailgating over there, too. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. It's fun. You'd enjoy it. There's a great band that plays in the lots called Van Hayden. And yeah. they, <laughs> they change all the Van Halen songs to Iowa Hawkeye songs. And Van yeah. Hayden is like, you might as well punt. <laughs> oh man yeah we definitely gotta go we gotta interview right, those yeah. Yeah. we gotta interview him absolutely keith yeah. well we don't want to keep you from dinner man thank you yeah, so much appreciate for it. Everything. thank you so much we greatly You're appreciate very welcome. it thanks guys yeah